Hello and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm of course your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 154th episode, our returning guest is Ash Burgess. You first heard Ash Burgess on episodes 16, 26, 27, 39, 58, 63, 77, 86, 91, 100, 124, 130, 136, 142, 143, 148, 151, and episode 82, which also featured fellow regular guest Jonathan Valor of the podcast. Ash Burgess has a dusty degree in religious studies and an appetite for both high and low culture. She strives to celebrate the best of every season with her young children. Follow her on Instagram at Ash Burgess, all one word, and subscribe to her YouTube channel. And now, on to the show. Alright, welcome back to the Rob Burgess Show. Hi. So, I should, because I've been listening to the last episode that we did about the show. Uh, Sweet Bitter, yeah. Sweet Bitter, yeah, see that was what I was going to say, because like, last time it took us until like the 15 minute mark to say what the show was. But this time we're... This time we're just making it clear. I think the more clear you make what you're going to be talking about, the more people can engage and get excited. But I think people should go back and listen to that first one if they haven't heard it, because then they'll know more of the background, because we were talking about season two. Well, well, we were talking about season right, one. Right, but now we're talking episode, about season now, two. Yes, this is basically the sequel to our original Sweet Bitter discussion. And we should just say spoiler alerts, because I don't care about yeah, spoilers. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to try to hide anything. I think the only way to truly discuss this is just to talk about it without worrying about spoilers. And if somebody is like... If somebody doesn't want spoilers, they should watch season two before they listen to this. If somebody doesn't care about spoilers, they should just go ahead and listen to this and then go ahead and watch it. I think when something's out, because it's all it's all out, all the episodes of season two yes. are out. So, spoiler alert for anyone listening. Yeah. Alright, so, where do we leave it at the end of season one? At the end of season one, we realized that the entire season had taken place over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. We were a little bit startled because I think we somehow didn't totally put that together. Mm. In 2006? I, I don't know. You no. mean you mean the week? Are you saying that's the time period set in? Okay. Here's the thing. Let's have a little aside where we talk about period pieces. Now, period pieces, I think, are... <laughs> Should I pause until the hyping is over? No, no, no. We should, we're recording on the porch, so there's going to be some sounds. There's a lot of crickets and some other insects, Cicadas, also some dogs. Dogs, various, people. You know, whatever other animals are, like, shaking around the bushes here. Who knows? Anyway. Okay. Anyway, what I was going to say about period pieces is that I feel like our feelings about period pieces in general are different. I feel like, to you... Well, I'll, I'll let you define after I'm done talking. I'll let you define what you think of period pieces. Set my own trap and then fall right into it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I'm going to say that for me, a period piece, it has to be made in a different period than the period that it is capturing. Okay, let me just, as an aside, make a comment on period pieces in general, and then I'll you know lead into saying you know what period we're in for mm. this show. Um, what I was wanting to say as an aside about period pieces in general is that I think that you care a lot more than I do about the fact that something is a period piece. And I think that the reason for that is that I think 
you have from a very young age studied history in a certain way and so whatever the sort of would you say earmarks or hallmarks or whatever of a time period that then appear in the period piece to you that's very important to be like this is what period we're in and i think that i have always had a fuzzier relationship with time in general Hmm. and I, i do think that you know as i've aged and learned more and been educated and you know as an adult i definitely would say i can recognize when something's being set in you know not our period or our period i'm like and i'm aware that that you know makes a difference and is important and all that however as a child there were a lot of period pieces that i experienced so what i was saying is i think i have a fuzzier relationship with time mm-hmm. in the sense that you know as a child i consumed a lot of media that you know were period pieces and wasn't entirely aware of that until later i think because as a young child i lived in a fashion that was not necessarily you know in keeping with the times mm-hmm. and therefore i identified with various aspects of period pieces that might have to someone else been identifying details to be like hey this is another time to me i was like you know this just sounds like living mm-hmm. um so even once i became aware that certain things were period pieces what period they were set in didn't really matter to me as much because i feel like the period i was living in felt more fluid maybe than if we'd been fixed in more in mainstream culture uh-huh. does that make sense and so i think my point in bringing this up is that i feel like you're very engaged with the idea that this is a period piece and i agree that it is a period piece it doesn't really matter to me that much that it's a period piece and honestly i think they could have just as easily had it be not a period piece because we talked about how both of us continually forget that this is supposed to be set at a specific time in the past because everything about it basically could be happening now other than every once in a while you know somebody pulls out a flip phone or they go to see a band that's very contemporary of the time that you know it's supposed to be not now and then 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 we're like oh yeah because it is supposed to be that time the rest of the show though i think because it is set in a restaurant particularly the clothes you know are just you know clothes that you know they're wearing you know for work mostly and i mean i you know fashion has gone so beyond me even when they're not at work it's like you know who knows if this is in fashion now or if it was only in fashion in like was it like 2006 or something mm-hmm. so it is a period piece but i would never if i was trying to either recommend or describe it to someone i probably wouldn't even i wouldn't even remember to mention that it's a period piece i honestly think that it almost does the show a disservice to be a period piece because it's so weakly a period piece I think they could have just as easily had it be happening now and like nothing would really nothing of any substance would have to be any different. Um well there's a lot to say about period pieces, but I just know that we disagree fundamentally about what is and isn't a period piece. So. Well, we agree that this show is a period piece because it is in but, fact it meets my definition of a period piece. So Okay, so this I, there's no, like you said, there's no reason this show is set in wherever it's set, other than the fact that it's a thinly veiled fictionalization of the author's life, and that was when and her life happens this to be taking happening. place in that period. So, other than that, I don't see a reason why it has to happen during this time, 
and I don't feel like they do a good job of communicating that it is, other than the fact that, like you said, some very, and that is the only times I really remember it, otherwise, it could be just a contemporary story and nothing would really have to change, other than some background details. Exactly. Now, to clarify, since you brought up our disagreement about what defines a period piece, we agree this is a period piece, and it needs. It says but, it, because it just it claims it is. Well, and so it I have needs, to take it at its. It meets my definition of a period piece, which is that it was made in one period about another period. That makes something a period piece. No, it doesn't. Yes. No, it doesn't. Yes. <laughs> you think it's a period piece. It's a pretty piece. short conversation. You think you can make a period piece about your own period. You can make a period piece totally by accident. Okay, there there we disagree. I think the whole, to me, the whole, if you say it's a period piece, I think, okay, it was made, you know, contemporarily to whatever it was made. However, it was set in an attempt You're to capture... You're too rigidly to the definitions. We're going to just disagree about this program. It's a feeling. It's not a feeling. It but is a feeling. Let's move on to talking you about... You wanted to talk about this. <laughs> no, but I think I think we've established that we disagree we, on some details, but we do, however, agree that the show we've come here to talk about tonight only, is a period piece. Only because, for some reason, they said it is. And we both agreed that it doesn't need to be a period piece. But we agree that it is a period piece. It's a also weak that, period Yes, piece. it doesn't need to be a period piece. That's you agree not essential. on that. It's a yeah. weak, it's a That's weak not, period it's piece. It's not essential to the story, and I mostly forget it's a period piece until they, like, pull out a flip phone. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. For a second, I'm just like, oh, I guess her phone's really old. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, before we leave this topic, I just wanted to find my definition of a period piece, mm -hmm. and then we can move on. And you can totally disagree with that, and I know you will, because you already yes. do. But, Clueless is a period piece, okay? I know you think I'm wrong, and it's your favorite movie, so I know you take extra offense at me saying this. But it was made in that time. It was made of the time, at the time of a classic story. And it captured that time perfectly. That movie is a time capsule of its of its time. However, it they was made, made a, in that time. All a period piece has to be is it has to capture the essence of a time period within it. And see, I think that's a valid argument. It doesn't argument. matter if you meant to do it, it doesn't matter if you did it at the same time when it was happening, or if you did it about a time that has already happened. And see, I think that's a valid argument as far as how you think in your mind, but... To me, a period piece, being a period piece has nothing Swingers to do... Swingers is okay. a period okay. piece just that let was me, made contemporarily. Okay. No, I'm sorry, I just thought... I, I also don't consider that to be a period piece. But let me, but let me get to my definition. To, what you're saying is that it's about capturing a period. And I think that's an interesting way of defining a period piece, because that actually is a way to identify period pieces that are maybe better and more interesting and more, you know, worth watching. To me, however, there's only one thing that makes something a period piece, and that is if it is made in one period about a different period in an attempt to capture that period. So I think to be a, to me, for, for me to consider something a period piece, it has to have been made in one period and, and then attempted to capture another period. So the success is, were you, people working in period X, able to truly you know, capture what it was like living in period D. Okay. And within my definition, 
what you just said is included. Yes, but you also include a lot of things that I do not consider yes. to be period pieces. I just consider them to be contemporary movies that captured the time that they were made. There in. are movies though that are made in times it just it's supposed, but they but people try to do this and fail. Like there are people that have tried to make period pieces and have not done okay, it. Like, they have not captured the moment. Yes, let's go back to talking about the show though, because we're just we're going to disagree about this forever. Like we'll probably be arguing about this as one of us like passes away. <laughs> A long time from now. I don't know. Yes, hopefully. But in a totally different period. Yes. Um, but if between now and then one of us makes a movie about this day, it will in fact be a period piece because we'll be making it in one time about another time. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So, season two. Now, rem remind me how far into the book the last I don't know season. because I did not read the entire book, so I have no... I have no idea. Do you get the sense that this is like half, the first season was like half the book? So I don't have any way you have of no telling. Idea. No, I do not have any idea. All I will say is that still following the book in season two. I don't know. No, you don't. Know. I presume. Okay. Here's what I know from you know just like some brief scanning of like I think Wikipedia and Goodreads or something. I know that the way that the person who wrote this book got published was that she met her publisher or the person who ended up publishing her book somehow she met them or made a contact with somebody that you know she she somehow made that contact through her job in the restaurant and i also know that in this season she kind of brushes up against a contact that she could potentially flesh out in the future that could be you know an avenue to publishing so perhaps that is you know part of something that's contained in the book i don't know if this if the book actually goes all the way through her working there and then getting published or if it's just kind of about her working there and they've added in that nod to the fact that she's going to write a book and get published later because you know theoretically if you've read the book you know that that's going to happen mm -hmm. so i don't really know I, I i don't think that either of us can speak to how closely this is following the book and you know where this is going or whatever i will say that i felt like this second season was less satisfying than the first season yeah, it was, it was a little staler. Well, it just, I'm not saying it was bad, it just felt anticlimactic in the end, and also just all the way through, it felt like it was just kind of dealing with a lot of stuff that was introduced in the first season, and not nothing new, I felt like, there, I guess there were some new elements that were introduced, but nothing really shatteringly new happened in the second season, it just kind of seemed like they were just kind of further dealing with, you know, all the little things that were introduced in the first season. Well, I mean, in the first season, she moves to New York City alone and gets this job at this restaurant and meets all these people and starts having these all these relationships with various people. And then, in, right, in the second season, she's just, it's, too, the story continues, the saga continues. She's just dealing with the same relationships, and I guess I felt like in, and I mean, this, this is partially maybe because this is based on, a, you know, her life rather than being just fiction. But in a fictional second season, there's got to be something bigger and worse and more exciting that kind of comes in. Whereas 
in this second season, they just sort of continue to flesh out the same things that we were introduced to in the first season, which is fine. But it did leave it, you know, feeling like a little bit less exciting, like nothing new really transpired. Um, I guess we, let's talk about her relationships and how she, I think, is like not ruining everyone that she comes into contact with, basically. Not everyone. I think that she is trying to be a good friend to Sasha. That's the only person that she's like acting in a positive way towards. He probably needs her help the most. Well, that, yeah, he's probably right that she's, like, helping him the most, because he needs help the most, you're right. Yeah, he's the most troubled. He has he has the most to lose. He's a gay, illegal immigrant. Yes, and, and, and illegal... Undocumented immigrant. Yes, and, and he's immigrated from somewhere where, you know, going back would be perilous. Well, as, what's his name, Glasses Guy, says... They Howard. Start, Howard has started... They've started the crackdowns on the gay pride parade, and like you know, well, it's not like, that they started the crackdowns. They were going to have a gay pride parade for the first time, right. and then it was canceled. And then there were a bunch of hate crimes. Putin has created an oppressive regime for gay people in Russia. Therefore, it is dangerous for him to return to his home country, in which he can now stay, even though his visa is now expired, and he is. Yeah, but I'm saying she. I think she's tried very hard to be a good friend to him, even though he is often very mean to her. Yes, that's probably one of her most baby monster. I don't think that's really mean. I'm. I'm. A mean nickname. It's kind of a mean nickname, but I think that's forgivable because it's sort of mean in like a forgivable way. I just mean in general. I mean he he kind of treats a lot of people badly. He's kind of a bad person at all. Yeah, and he like he lashes out at people, and he's like. Not really bringing a lot to, like, people in a positive way. But I do think that she tries to be a good friend to him, and that's one of her more redeeming qualities. But yes, all the other people that she interacts with, I think there's a lot of problems. I mean, I think that... Especially Mr. Manager, poor Mr. Manager. Well, yes, and by, by Mr. Manager, you're referring to Will. And I think that, um... I did think in the first season, he's the guy who trained her... At the mm-hmm. time, he wasn't the manager. He was just a waiter that has been working there longer than she has. And I believe he's... I think he's a front waiter. Like, he's like an actual server, whereas she's just a back waiter. But anyway, um... He trains her, and then he, like, sleeps with her. And then... He's, like, obviously pretty... Which was her. unethical on his part. Yes, it was unethical on his part. But she's... You know, she went along with she went it. Along she wasn't with like, it. she didn't seem like she was like And how many marriages have resulted from that sure. And it wasn't like he was like incredibly her superior. He was like barely her superior. Like he basically has the job that she's training for. It's <laughs> he's not like, like he's like, like aspiring to be in a place to abuse power. <laughs> yes, yes. Like and he hasn't that, even that, achieved that, that yes, idea. As that woman later comes, finds out. Yeah, and that's something that more comes out. I don't think that's quite exactly what happened there, but anyway, let me but we digress. But what I'm saying is she slept with him, and he was obviously very into her. Like, he wants to, like, date her. Like, he's, like, let's he's get serious. You know, he he serious was, like, wanting to, like... And I, and I do think that that was a crossroads for her, because she easily could have dated him, and I think she probably would have ended up just, like, marrying him. And, like, she could have had, like, probably, like, a decently nice life with him. But she knew in that moment that that would be, like... She knew where that was going, and that wasn't exciting to her, yeah. and so she wanted, she moved to New York to, like, have more than that. She could have just done that in her hometown, and she wanted something else. She had other guy, another guy she's interested in. She wants excitement. So I think it was right well, of there's her... there's lots of excitement with 
Okay, but we're not talking about him. I'm just saying that I do think that initially when she told him, you know, it's just not right and, like, cut it off with him, that was brave, I think. Because in the sense that it would have been much easier for her to just stay with him forever and be, like, probably, like, fairly happy, but never, you know, see if she could have something, you know, more interesting or exciting or incredible or whatever. So I think in, in a sense that was brave and like, so I'm saying, I think that was a good decision for her, both as a character and as a person. It makes the show more exciting, obviously, but also, you know, as a person, you know, that's better than if she'd just kind of been like, oh, okay, I'm going to just kind of go with the first guy that, you know, came to scratch or whatever. But, um, beyond that, I think that she treats Will terribly in that he's still obviously into her. And she keeps toying with him, and she doesn't need to do that. And it's because she knows that, like, she's a little scared, and she knows she could maybe fall back on him, and then, like, you know, like, she kisses him, and then he's, like, excited. He thinks, like, something's, like, finally happening, and then it's, like, not happening, and she just, like, blows him off and doesn't even have the guts to tell him, like, I just kind of randomly kissed you to see what would happen, and I'm not actually trying to get back with you. And I think that's very bad of her. Like, she's treating him badly. That was my point. She was treated You're right, though, but it, it tracks with her character because she doesn't, you know, she left Ohio for New York City. She's obviously somebody that doesn't, like, she could have, if that was what she was going to do, end up with someone like him, she could have done that in Ohio, probably. Yeah, but I'm saying she still could have, like, I think there are plenty of people that would Some, would've... like, middle management, upwardly mobile... But I do guy think that it's like sensible and conservative. There are a lot of people that would do that, even, even if you make one big leap doesn't mean that you're going to keep making leaps forward. It's easy to just do whatever's the easiest. So I did think it was good that she, at the point when she originally was like, okay, I'm not doing this, I'm doing something else. That was good. But I just think that she's now just kind of mistreating him yes. by, like, toying with him. And she doesn't have to do that. And I just don't think that... I think she's very self-centered. Mm -hmm. She doesn't think... Like, she does things all the time where she just does not think about how it could affect anyone else. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, I think she's just impulsive and, like, poor at planning. Because she also does things all the time that, like, could affect herself badly. And she doesn't seem to think ahead or be worried about what will happen if, like, things that she's doing goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the neighbor, lover, brother, cousin? Yeah, thing? so her love interest from the very beginning has been the one of the bartenders at you know, the restaurant where they work. Mm -hmm. And he is involved in some sort of nebulous relationship with the woman who's the head waiter at the restaurant. I say nebulous in that they are supposedly not a couple. Um... They grew up together, kind of, so they almost, they almost try, kind of make it sound like they were brother and sister because he was younger than her and he was her neighbor growing up mm -hmm. and then his mom killed himself and then he went to live with her family, but somehow then it's like she took care of him, not like his family, not like her family took care of him, but then somehow there's a weird sexual dynamic to their relationship that hasn't been fully illuminated upon, but is looking like 
you know, pretty intense. Um, and she, the, um, what is her name? The, the, the head waitress. So, so, something that starts with an S. Serena? Serenity? Yeah, Serena, maybe. It's not Serena. So, Simone. No. I'm sorry, I have no idea why I didn't know. Anyway, Simone is like a very pulled together kind of person, whereas Jake, the bartender, seems like he's very much like hanging on by a very thin thread, and he kind of is only hanging on to this job because Simone has kind of carried him. And somehow they, somehow he's inherited half a share in her parents' house now that her parents have died. So I don't know if her parents, like, really adopted him or what exactly happened. Anyway, there's this property back home in Cape Cod where they grew up that um, now there could be some money from the sale of the property. And maybe he could use that money to kind of gain independence from Simone, but maybe she's holding it back from him. Or maybe he just wants to say that and really he wants to stay attached to her. It's, it's, it's unclear. It's weird. It's creepy. Um, I guess the, the weirdness of it was already very apparent in the first season, but it becomes more apparent in the second season because our protagonist, Tess, attempts to investigate, you know, what, what exactly is this relationship? Like, you know, are they like, you know, are they sexually doing something like, is this an ongoing thing? Is this just something that happened in the past? What exactly is this tie that they have to each other? And of course she has an interest and she wants to sever the tie because she wants to be with Jake and she feels like Simone is like standing in her way. I guess the issue that I have though is that it basically comes to a point where she confirms that Jake and Simone have some sort of an ongoing sexual aspect to their relationship and instead of just being like okay well clearly there's not room here for me which is I mean to me I feel like that would be a point where I'd be kind of like you know clearly this is not happening just kind of back out of the situation instead she's like pushing forward and trying to figure out how she can like get rid of Simone so she can have Jake to herself even though there's been no indication from either Jake or Simone that this is like a real possibility. Like they've both implied to her that nothing is going to be like super serious. Like like the most that Jake has said to her about their relationship is that it's fun and that she shouldn't like push for details about him and Simone because like what they have going right now is fun and like you know it would be sad to mess it up. That doesn't really, to me, imply that he's like, let's be together forever and like build a life. Yet she is like, seems to be acting on the idea that this could really be something. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like she kind of seems to think that this is like really like a relationship that could really just go. I don't understand why she's attracted to him. He's a train wreck. I don't understand her attraction to her. Because she's obviously pretentious fake in every way and I don't understand why she wants either of them after she confirms like you said the creepy it's like a semi-incestuous yeah it's not it's not incestuous but it's like almost incestuous because they grew up together in kind of a brother sister dynamic it's also almost like abusive in the sense that 
Simone is old enough to say that she, like, raised Jake. And she's clearly, like, at least, what, like, ten years older than him? Yeah. So it's, like, almost, like, weirdly incestuous, because they have, like, a sibling dynamic, and almost weirdly, like, child abuse or something. Like, I don't even know exactly. Very strange. It's just, it's very, it's a very, it's a very, like, it's troubling, and, like, it would probably be good for both Simone and Jake if they could move on from this, whatever it is that they have. At the same time, though, I don't understand our character who wants to just, like, insert herself in the middle of this and be the one to, like, separate them and think that she's gonna, like, have the spoils of, like, the separation to her, for herself. It's like, I just don't see this working out for her at all. Yeah. So anyway, my point being with all that is that she tests... I feel like is attracted to the wrong people, and even when she's not, she makes it worse. And and see, I don't think that she's attracted to the wrong people in the sense, like, I think she's... Okay, I think that her the weird fascination she has with Simone is, like, wrong. Simone is pretentious, and, like, I don't, I don't get that at all. But I do think, like, I don't think that it's wrong of her to be attracted to the Jake character in the sense that, like, she wants excitement and, like, to explore, and he offers her more excitement and opportunity to explore than, like, someone, like, safe and normal would. I think that she is wrong in the sense that, like, she wants a relationship. Like, she see like, I think, I think it, I think it, it would make sense to me if She's she was attracted to him. working condition for a No, it would make sense to me if she was attracted to him in the sense where she was like, I'm hoping I can hook up with him because... I think he's hot and it could be interesting. He's already in a relationship. Yes, but I'm saying, like, I, I think it's totally valid if she just is, like, sexually, like, wants to, like, explore what it would be like to, like, hook up with him. I just think the direction that she's leaning in where she wants it to be, like, a relationship where okay. they're, like, having brunch and, like, planning a future together. But have you considered this, though? Perhaps the same motivation for her doing this we should say that the last scene of this second season is her going to Howard's house. And after he has indicated that he trusts her opinion because he did use the company lawyers to help. However, it was also implied by the show that he really is saying that to her because he might be hitting on her. Well, there was that scene where they were tasting the liquor and like then he tastes her liquor and it's like, it's, that was weird, but also, I mean, even moment. going back to season one when she was hired, mm-hmm. there wasn't really a good reason for him to hire her. She was, like, not qualified, and this is, like, a pretty sought-after, you know, position at, like, a very, like, upper, you know, restaurant. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't, she didn't know why he hired her, and it was implied that, you know, perhaps he thought that she was hot. And we know that he is hooked up with other, you know, female employees, or at least one. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's possible that he is not into her. There's also been indications that he could possibly be into her. And so anything he does, I don't think we can trust because we don't know if he trusts her opinion because he thinks that she's like a nice person or if he trusts her opinion because that's the kind of thing you say to someone when you're like buttering them up so you can like make a move on them. Mm-hmm. 
Alright, now tell me how I was wrong to describe that one situation about him with that woman as, like, he misrepresented himself. He misrepresented himself, but my point was that, um, I think you, you kind of implied that he didn't intentionally misrepresent himself. No, not at all. I think he intentionally misrepresented himself. No, I think in the moment it was advantageous to, it was like, we should say, okay, he's at this bar with and he meets this woman, and she works at, like, a different restaurant, right? It's, yeah. And it's a worse restaurant. And, and basically he tells her... He's in his suit. He's in a Mr. Manager suit. He tells her that he's a manager. He tells her he's the, ma- the man... The T-H-E manager. I don't think he said the. I think he said A. Are you sure? Yes, but it's still... He still didn't say... He, he implied that he was the head honcho. Yeah, he said A manager, he so last, he wasn't technically lying. But he implied that he was in a position of power. When, in one. fact, he's just... Has he been training to be a manager for, like, three weeks now or something? He all but promised her employment. He's basically just a waiter in, like, a suit. So... And then she, like, you he know, hooks up with, with him her. in the bathroom and then, like... Well, sleeps with is a generous term for I, what I, happens. I, I, don't, I don't really like euphemisms. I mean, I guess hooks up with is also a euphemism. Like, they, they're together in the bathroom. Yes. They're together in the bathroom. And she's clearly, like, into him because she thinks that she's yeah. like sleeping her way into like a better job. But then she arrives at the restaurant with her resume. And then he's kind of like, oh, I'll yeah, put it on the slush pile. But I honestly think, I mean, not this is not in his defense because he did he did her very wrong. I do kind of think he wasn't really imagining he was going to see her again. I think he thought I, he had I to think, be prepared for that possibility. Sure, but I think he kind of lied to himself in that scenario. Like I think. Even though he was using his power to, like, you know, get her. I think he kind of lied to himself and was like, oh, she's into me anyway. That was just, like, the entryway. Not, like, the whole reason that she's, like, hooking up with me is because she thinks that then I'll definitely give her a job. But, I mean, on, from her point of view, even if that hadn't worked out, wouldn't she just have to keep sleeping with him? Otherwise, he would, like... Maybe not. I mean, I think it would Having depend. sex I mean, with, sorry, I didn't mean to use a euphemism. No, but I'm saying maybe not in the sense that... I think there are situations where someone sleeps with someone to get a job, and then the thing, and then it's, like, an ongoing thing. I think there's also other situations where it's, like, a Entry. one-time deal, kind yeah. of like a favor for a favor sort of mm-hmm. a scenario. I don't know how people tell yeah, which like deal's to going to be going exactly. in. I think you just kind of feel out the situation and hope for the best. I don't, I don't know how you like to decide going into something. <laughs> I've never obtained employment in this way, so I couldn't that's really what I'm tell saying. You. I, I, That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know how you know which one, which, which one you're signing up for when you go for something like that. But Maybe this is more common in the restaurant industry. Or something. I'm sure it is. I mean, I mean, it's a very, like, any sort of, like, a nightlife-y type of, like, a, you know, employment scene. I think any sort of a employment where it kind of lends itself to partying after work, kind of lends itself to different sort of dynamics developing. Jason Simone. Although she's, I mean, that's, they're not supposed to be, I think. Everyone is, like, doing drugs, like, in the closet or whatever, but they're not actually supposed to be, like, drinking on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, but even when they get caught, it's kind of like, oh, you. Like, they don't ever, like, really, like, crack down. I think the idea is that they know people are going to be doing stuff. They don't want the customers to see. So as long as you do it in a way where the customers aren't going to know, mm. I think it's accepted. I think if you're, you know, drinking or doing drugs in a way where the customers are going to, like, be chafed by it, then it's, like, a big problem. Mm. 
Like, I think they're fine with people, like, doing coke in, like, the walk-in, as long as they just seem like, you know, good servers when they're, like, serving the customers or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, a culture that lends itself to that, I'm sure, so... I, I think very much so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like any, like... It's almost looked like... Any memoir I've ever read of, like, any, you know, sort of, like, a chef or anything, there's always, like, some kind of descent into, like, cocaine or, like, you know, there's always, there's always like, a lot of problems. But, speaking of which, let's talk about that one character that always has the drugs. Yeah, so there's the character who always has the drugs. What is and her name? Ari. Ari. And we've come to see that she comes from a lot of money, and her parents are basically just paying for her to live. She doesn't even need the money from the restaurant. In fact, she's, like, forgotten to even cash her check in, like, a really long time, because, like, the amount of money that she's making there doesn't even mean anything to her. I think she's actually just working there because she's, like, so lonely. Mm-hmm. And this is just, like, a way to have, like, friends and, like, be a part of something. Because she doesn't have, like, her family's not around. And, like, apparently she doesn't have anything else going on. And to me, that's very sad and confusing. Because I feel like if you had somebody just sort of paying for your whole life, even if you didn't find something you wanted to do, like, to go to school or, like, have any sort of, like, a, you know be like an artist or something if you're not like worried about the bills um i still feel like you could fill your time with like you know some sort of not like grueling work i mean because even though these people are enjoying working in the restaurant together it's also hard work i could fill my days with like if i had as much money as she is implied to have had I could fill my days without working at a restaurant. I'll tell and you and I, but not not even just that I could fill my days. I totally could. I think I could fill my days in a way that could find a way to incorporate people into it. And like, things you like, like to do. Yeah. All I'm saying is like there are hobbies that involve forming relationships with other people. Like any sort of like a sport or a club. Or any sort of, like, she could be a part of some kind of, like, a charitable cause and work with, like, closely with, like, a team of people that she could form. You know, there's other things she could do to form relationships since she apparently doesn't care about the money. I just feel like there's nothing wrong with working in a restaurant and being, like, a waitress. But if you actually don't need the money, there's other things you could do that would be, I would think, more fulfilling and less demeaning. Because as much as... Being a waitress can be cool, and I think you can make a lot of money and do, like, you know, enjoyable things that way. I also think, like, there's a lot of, you know, situations that, you know, are going to grind you down a bit. I mean, for example, like, we have the situation where, that we've kind of touched on this season a little bit more with the, um, black waitress who works there. And how... I don't remember. They don't really say her name almost ever, do they? I feel like this show has an issue with not saying people's names enough for you to, like, remember who they are. It's pretty depersonalizing environment, though. It is, and I think maybe that's partially, you know, intentional with the show to, like, highlight that by not using people's names It's kind of like being a soldier working in a kitchen in certain ways. It's like... But that's my point. Like, why would you be a soldier if you have enough money to just kind of, like, do whatever? But anyway, going back to what I was saying about the black character, um, and partially I'm referring to her as the black character, too, not just because I'm like, well, hey, that's how I remember her, but because that has become a significant aspect of her character is that she points out several times over the course of the show that she believes that she was only, you know, hired for this position that she has because 
she gives, you know, she makes the restaurant seem ethnically diverse because now they have a black person working there. But that because she's like very educated and very pretty, that um, she's like acceptable for them to have like in the front of the house because she's like this educated, very pretty like black person. But at the same time, she thinks that like part of the reason she's in hire is just because then they can be like, yes, we have, you know, diverse people working here, not just like hot white people. But anyway, my point in bringing her up was that we've touched a little bit more this season upon how she encounters, you know, racism a lot from customers, and that and it really grinds her down. And so what I'm saying is there's other things, even if you're not her encountering racism, there's other aspects of being a server that are going to grind you down, so you don't, like, need to do this for the money. I don't understand doing it. And so addition, in, in addition to you know, just working this job to have friends, Ari, the girl we were talking about before, has taken it a step further in that she also always has drugs and she's like often giving them away for free to, you know, her friends from work. And enemies. Yes, and enemies. Pretty much anybody who asks her, she'll like... And she seems like very snappy when she talks to people, but she's always like giving and giving. Like, she tries to buy a leather jacket for like one person when their like credit score is like too low to get a credit card. And then she does buy everyone tickets to go see Interpol. And then that's kind of when all of this comes out and kind of comes to a head about the fact that she's just working here to, like, hang out with them. Because, you know, turns out that some people left the concert early to, like, hook up with other people or whatever. And she was kind of left the concert by herself. And she's super pissed because she's like, I give you drugs all the time. I buy you concert tickets. And then you can't even, like, hang out with me for one night. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so I found that just incredibly tragic and also confusing. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't I don't really understand your character that much. I mean, I get that it's expensive to live in New York City and to have this type of job. You almost need to be rich anyway. Just like, like it's almost like, I can, or San Francisco is the same thing. It's like, you almost have to be a trust fund kid just to be poor in the city, you know what I mean? Like, I think when Sure, Our but she has, so, she has so much money, though, that she's not even cashing her checks. I, yeah, of course, of course. I'm saying, in general, though, it's, it's, it is a truism that, like, back when our parents were our, were our age and younger, you could move to New York City and be poor, but you could still live. And now I, I seriously think you almost have to, like, unless you're willing to, like, live in total squalor, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you want a clean apartment in a safe neighborhood... Yeah. You need to have a fair amount of money for like a deposit. Just to start. And, and yeah, just to kind of get started, you would need a little bit just to get going, and then you know the right clothes and everything to get a job in like a nice restaurant if you want to like make good tips and all that. Well, I mean, and as know. we've touched on a little bit, all the people that work in this restaurant, you're they they all look good, and it's not yeah their free. teeth aren't like falling out and like it's not free to like look good like no. if you want to have like straight white teeth you have to have a history of like you know dental care that's really come through for you and you know especially the ability early, to maintain young exactly that's what i'm saying about like you kind of have to come for money to like really get in on these things otherwise mm -hmm. it's a little harder i'm just saying it's a little harder to like break into these things without having a good base exactly Yes, she hasn't cashed her check in several months. She yeah, they said 14 months she hasn't 14 cashed her months. check. Which is, like, a really long time. Yeah. Even if she doesn't want the money or need it or even notice it. She should it. just get a direct deposit. I don't know why she's not. 
Yeah, but also, I mean, even if you don't need the money or want it, couldn't she just give that money to a charity or something? Or let it build up in an account, and then if she really wanted to escape her parents, she Or could. take, like, a vacation or something. Yeah. It's incredibly frivolous just to not even use the money. Yeah. Or, I mean, she could just, like, give that money to someone else. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm just saying, like, she could give that to a charity if she doesn't actually want it. Or anything. Maybe her parents are billionaires for all No, I, it's implied that her parents are incredibly wealthy. Here's what we've heard about Parents them. own a brownstone that she That they don't New live York in, City, that, that she's just living in. in. And apparently they still Brownstone's pay her childhood nanny. Of millions. Yeah. They still pay her childhood nanny, I guess, just to be like the housekeeper or something yeah. of the brownstone. Which is pretty bizarre and twisted. And I think at one point it was implied that they think she is in business school. But oh, yeah, I didn't catch that part. But. Wasn't she having an art opening in the first season? Was that her art opening? I thought it was. Maybe it was someone else. I thought she had some kind of a gallery opening. She could have, yeah. And then, but that, I don't know, I'm, I'm confused about what's, what's happening with her. But anyway, it is implied that her parents have an incredible amount of money. Even so, whatever, however small her check from the restaurant seems to her, she could just be donating it to whatever cause, you know, floats her boat if she doesn't need the money herself. Is all I'm saying. So it's kind of ridiculous that she's like not even caring. Mm-hmm. I guess it's supposed to be just like, oh, that amount of money is so small to me, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Charts forever. I did think it was a really funny, it was kind of unintentionally funny because, like, or maybe intentionally, but, like, she's, like, having her crisis in, like, the, like, uh, you know, locker room, and she's like, you're all gonna leave, you're gonna go to law school, you're gonna blah, 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 and... Then Sasha at the very end is like, we are buried here. Like, like yeah. I think he meant it to be, it, it was because he was like broken English. It was like, he didn't he meant know, it to be, he like, meant it comforting. To like, but yeah. it's it's kind of like, it's kind of showing the ridiculousness of it is because yeah, like, like, obviously no they're one not, nobody's going to be buried there. Maybe she might, but well, like no, no one. Well, no, because I mean, I don't think, this is not a job that you can have once you pass a certain age. Well, that bartender guy's like got kids and he's kind of old. I think though, there, there's some key differences I want to talk about here. He's a man. True. That's the main key difference I want to talk about. I think as, like, an aging man, there are more limited, but there are opportunities for you in this type of employment. As an aging woman, the opportunities really dry up. Unless you're, like, the chef or maybe the manager. But as far as just being a waitress, no. Like, Notice that there are... The oldest waitress... Like, how old would you say Simone is? 29. Yeah, 29, maybe, maybe like, early 30s. 31. And it's already been talked about a lot how she's, like, almost too old for this job. And, like, she's going to have to do something else soon. And her tips are going to, like, dry up as she ages. Like, the restaurant's not going to keep her on past a certain point. You know what I mean? Like, this job is temporary. Like, age out of this job. So, even if you wanted this job forever you would eventually just have to go work at, like, a worse restaurant. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's pretty sad. True. But, yeah. But, yeah. But that guy has kids in yeah. house, apparently. I think you can make good money as a bartender. Sure. There's somebody I follow on Instagram who's a stay-at-home mom, and she has four kids, and her husband is a bartender. In, yeah. like... I think they live in Seattle or something. Mm. 
So I'm saying, I think if you, I think if you live in a decent sized city and are a bartender at a nice place, you can actually make a lot of money. Mm. Makes sense. The key is though, I mean, like the, I think, I think his name is Nikki. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go out after work. No, well, I, mean, I mean, I think I think the key is like he's trying to get home as soon as he can after his trip ends, right? Yes, but also I think a lot of these jobs you make a lot of money and then you spend a lot of money. Like if you make a lot of money bartending, but then you go out and spend a lot of money buying yourself drinks after work, that's less take home. I'm saying he makes a lot of money probably bartending, and he takes most of that, like all his tips and stuff, home to his family instead of like spending it after work. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that's how you can like make a lot of money as a bartender. Is, is like, anyway. it makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. Are you excited for season three? Yeah. I felt like season two ended very anticlimactically, but I do want to know what's going to happen. It was the kind, it was definitely a cliffhanger. Like, well, let's just talk about how it ended. It's like we said, spoiler alert. Um, our character, Tess, yes. meets up with Howard after work. After he's already indicated, as we said, that he's, he's like, he, sexually interested in her in yes. some way. It's been implied that he's possibly interested in her. She intentionally... Her continued employment. Yes. <laughs> she, um, she intentionally runs into him when he's on his way home from work and asks he's him... He's lurking outside his house and pops out of the yeah, she, Yes. <laughs> I was trying to be a little bit nicer about it, but yeah. She asks if he has, like, a minute to talk, and he invites her into his house. Well, he, he goes me at my door, so sure, come on in. Yeah. He goes to change into something more comfortable, leaving her alone in his living room, and she, like, makes drinks for both of them. And then, you know, he comes out, and they, like, sit down and talk. He's like, what do you want to talk to me about? And she basically says, I know you've been trying to make changes in the restaurant. All, all along, he's been kind of, like trying to make some changes. I think he feels frustrated because he's kind of stuck in this man. He's the manager, but the restaurant is owned by the chef who's never actually there. It's really the sous chef who, you know, he, he is the boss of the sous chef, but the chef is the owner and the boss of everyone and has certain very set things about how things are done. And Howard wants, he wants to change. He wants to grow with the times. He wants to do things differently. I think he's just a little bored, and he also is afraid that things are going to go downhill if they don't, like, you know, keep growing and whatever. So anyway, she basically says, nothing's ever going to change unless you make, like, a huge change, and the huge change you need to make is that you need to fire Simone. Completely now, not for my own reasons. Yeah, and obviously, okay, now here's the thing. I think there is a possibility that Howard will fire Simone because, unbeknownst to Tess, right before she jumps out of the bushes to see him. He had walked most of the way home with Simone, and they had been talking about how Simone isn't enjoying working at the restaurant anymore, and she wants to make a major change in her life, but she doesn't know how. So I do think it's possible that Howard will go along with what Tess wants because he feels like Simone herself is actually crying out for help. And, like, she needs help leaving the restaurant, and maybe the only way to help her do that is to force her. So I think it's possible that Howard could go that way. And then Tess will, of course, be left feeling that he did this for her. And, you know, maybe that will be the start of their sexual relationship, and or maybe she'll think that she has more power and better ideas than she really has, when, in fact, 
if Howard does fire Simone, I don't really think it's about Tess. I think it's more about how he wants to help Simone, who he has a very long friendship with, even though they've had their back and forth, you know, they've had quarrels. I think Howard and Simone have a long friendship going. Mm-hmm. And so I think if Howard chooses to get rid of Simone, it's going to be to help her and not really because Tess was like, get rid of her. But Tess obviously isn't going to know that. She's just going to think, like, I told Howard to do this, and he did because my ideas are amazing and or because Howard is super into me. Neither of those things are necessarily true. On the other hand, I don't think Tess has fought through the fact that Howard might not agree to fire Simone. Because, I mean, Simone's been working there forever, and Tess has worked there for what? Like, it's been, like, maybe a couple months since, like, the season started? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's like, if you've worked at a job for a couple months, do you really just, like, leap out at the bush- of the bushes at your boss and suggest that they fire someone that's been there for, like, ten years? Probably no. Yeah. Um, so it's possible that he won't get rid of Simone, but Simone will know that she tried to get rid of her and, you know, retaliate. Mm-hmm. So this is not, like, a great plan. I mean, what do you, I do want to know what's going to happen, but, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I felt at the time and continue to feel that that was more of the, like, cliffhanger that you would do if it was, like, a mid-season... Like, if it was, like, over the holidays or something, you were taking a break, and then, like, in January, you'll come back and find out what happened. Not, like, this is May, the end of May, and, like, you're not going to find out until, like, next September how it's going to pick up again when the next season right. starts. And this is whatever. just kind of, like, the end of the season. Like, who knows when this is coming like, back. I don't care that... It, like, A, I don't think it's going to work. B, if it does work, it won't be because of, like you said, like, there's, there's other reasons why he might want to fire her. It won't really be a victory because even if this does happen, what's his name is like still like. Um, oh, com- Jake. Yeah. Well, also, okay. Completely I think sycophantic her... and in this co- weird well, codependent relationship with this woman. Well, I think that Tess's assumption is that if she were to get Simone away from the restaurant, Jake would continue working there, and then she would have more access to him to like be with him or whatever. And I think that she's making a huge miscalculation on that part, too. Like, if Simone were to no longer work at the restaurant, I think there's a good chance that Jake might also not be working there. So, I mean, he's barely hanging on by a thread. He was going to be fired last season, and then Simone... But how is that good for Tess and Ben? Well, no, that's what I'm saying. They're not working at the same place, and he's probably just going to run harder to Simone. That's what I'm saying. Like, chances are, if Simone's not at the restaurant, Jake is not going to be there either, and then he's not even going to be there for for Tess to like get with. And also, Simone and Jake seem to tell each other pretty much everything. So, if Simone finds out that Tess is the one that said that you know she needed to be fired or whatever. Jake's going to know that and probably never forgive Tess because Simone is definitely the most important person in his life. Okay, here's why it can never work. Okay. Simone, yes, they have a sexual relationship. Yeah, She and Jake have a sexual relationship. That is not the only relationship they have. Even if, yes. If, if, if Tess is able to separate Jake's sexual attachment from Simone... And also, if she's able to break this familial bond that they have, guess what? He's still going to want that with someone, and is she ready to be his mother too? No. 
So unless he's ready to resolve that whole scene, which he doesn't also, seem capable of it at all. Also, let's talk about. She's not. Sh- let's talk about the short story. <clears throat> okay, so it comes to light that Simone, a long time ago, wrote a short story that was published in like an obscure, you know, fiction review. That was like the most that her writing's ever done. She maybe hasn't written anything since then. But this story was apparently good enough to get, you know, some modest attention. Um, Tess seeks out and is able to find a copy of this review and read the short story. Now, the story is about a boy who falls in love with a mermaid, but then in the end of the story, he kills the mermaid. And Tess comes to believe and then confronts you know, Jake and Simone about this, and it's confirmed that the story is about their relationship. So what exactly is it? does it mean that in the end of the story, the boy kills the mermaid? Because, you know, Simone is the mermaid, and Jake is the boy. So what? in what sense does he, like, what does that mean for their relationship? Does, does, does Simone think that this has already occurred, or does she feel that he, you know, symbolically is going to have to kill her to, like, break free from the relationship that they have. The second thing. Yes. But this doesn't leave... That's what she believes, and she has a hold over him. Yes. So that is what he believes, and that's what he will believe, no matter what. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes, and I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And they just kind of toy with Mm-hmm. back and forth I mean like in there's the, this weird like energy that comes from that. yes well because it's like okay with the thing with the house that they have this house if they sell the house he get the money and then he tells Tess that he wants the money so that he and the sous chef can go into business together because they'll open a restaurant the sous chef will be the chef and he'll be like the bartender and he he poses this to Tess as though this is something he really wants to do and is excited and he has, like, plans for the future. But then, as soon as Simone is let into the idea, she's, like, acts like she's unsupportive, and he's, like, mad at her, supposedly. But then later, she says to him, like, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, let's sell the house, you can have the money, whatever. And then that's when he tells the chef that he's not going to do it and that's like not happening so he doesn't want out of the relationship like like he gets scared like he he's like he doesn't fan- want out of the relationship because she doesn't want him out of the relationship yes but i'm saying like he's fantasizing about escaping from the relationship but when she actually gives him it supposedly gives him an opportunity to that's escape, not a real opportunity it. how is that not a real opportunity couldn't he take money she knows he's not gonna yes i know she knows real he's not independence gonna. for him would be do to do that thing to open that restaurant. Yeah. To have his own thing apart from her. But no, even his independence is dependent upon her. Yes. So is she still in control even when she's like, I'm giving you the keys to run with? No. Yeah. You're, you're giving that. Yeah, you started it right. You're giving him. Yeah, no, you, it's, it's a act, problem. But but I guess my. If he gets it on his own, that means she's to- she actually is cut out. She can't be cut out. Sure. It has to come to the thing, like in her short story, where he kills her to get away. Like, I'm going to love you so hard, and you're going to have to, like, kill me to get you off. Like, yeah. she can't just let him, like, drift away. Yeah, or well, become plus, his own I mean, person. really, the implication. Because then that's not her giving it to him. Plus, the implication of that story to him is that if you ever leave me, 
You will be killing me. Can we talk about her French husband? Yes, let's do talk about her ex-husband. Okay, so in the first season, it's introduced How long were they married? I think they were married for like... Three and a half years or something? No, like maybe two years. Six months? Like like less than two years, like 18 months or something, at the the most. Was he... He was a patron of the... Okay, here's my... I'll give you my impression of what's happened. Okay. In the first season, it was introduced that she had lived in France for a little while and that she had, you know, she worked in the restaurant and then she left the restaurant and lived in France and then she came back and worked the restaurant again. And that wasn't really elaborated upon what she was doing. We also know that she knows a lot about wine. In the second season, that is fleshed out. We learn that she was married to someone who grows and also makes, you know, various wines in France. Now, this is someone who... We're introduced to this idea because they're selling their wine to the restaurant. So I assume that she met him because we know she worked in the restaurant previously. I assume she met him initially when he was selling wine to the restaurant. So he was traveling and selling the wine to the restaurant. She met him. You know, whatever happened, they, you know, quote unquote, fell in love, got married. She moved with him to France. Now, she always speaks about her time in France with great fondness. She took these long walks every day. She's so into the wine. The wine and the champagne was delicious. Um, she loved the food. It was awesome. She, she speaks of this with only great fondness. However, obviously, she, like, you know, divorced this guy and, like, came home. The only explanation that we're really given for why this marriage dissolved is that... Um, you know that Jake says that he called that she called him constantly and she was miserable and crying in the phone and she was lonely and she hated his family like his name was his name Etienne she hated his family she was crying she was lonely um on and on that's just what he says she never said any of that he he says this so you know how much that was like true or not true it's like unclear and then she does have a conversation with her ex-husband when he comes to town, you know, selling more wine to the restaurant, about how she treated him badly and she didn't really know how to be loved and she wants a second chance, but he's like, you know, you really fucked me over and I can't have you around me. She's obvi- he's obviously still very attracted to her, but she obviously, like, did him pretty wrong and just kind of, like, abandoned the marriage and ran off. And it's never been made clear what happened other than that she says that she didn't know how to be loved and that she treated him badly and he's like sad and doesn't want to be around her. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically tells her that she doesn't know how to love anyone like other than herself or something, which is, you know, probably true. Um, and we also see that Jay becomes extremely upset when he finds out that she has gone to go have like, you know, gone to go see her ex-husband. So I assume that the relationship that her and Jake had had some pull that, you know, kept her maybe from fully committing to the relationship with the husband, who knows. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, what do we think of this? I think he should stay far, far away. Yeah, I mean, Go back to like, France and never talk to this woman again, because He seems like, to have a successful, you know, su- successful vineyard, successful winery. I, I, like, I think it's an interesting uh, symbolism for their relationship to be bottled. Yeah. You know? Like, she, and, and for it, and it's like the ultimate full circle when now she has to, like, work in the restaurant that is now buying the champagne that, like, 
she helped make that she's not involved with this person anymore but it's now it's like she's back where she was selling this thing that she doesn't this dream that she doesn't even yeah like it was her it was like, her dream to like produce the champagne and now he started doing it yeah. And, yeah that's so sad for her I mean I do feel for her in a sense because that is so sad and now she's trying to get it back but it's like it's already been but it also seems like that vintage has already been corked you know she had something I'm not saying that right but presume, corked, yeah. she had something presumably amazing I mean like according to her, you know, she had this like hot, apparently super rich. I mean, didn't he have like a like a church on his like chateau or something? So not only does he have like the successful, he had money to make mini. a special, you know, not not just wine. that he has the successful, you know, wine and champagne that he's like now selling in the states, but also I mean, she's like talks about walking, you know, walking around and she hiked you know, through the, like, chateau because she asked him about the stained glass that, like, she loved or whatever, you know what I mean? So, he's, a, he's apparently, like, super into her easy-on-the-eyes guy with, like, a great business that she's also super interested in because she, like, loves wine and is, like, super into it. Like, this seems like he was, like, offering her everything. Like, I mean, she even says, like, he offered me everything I could possibly want and I just kind of went along with it but then it wasn't right. But she doesn't really define what was, like, so not right about it. Other than that, she apparently just didn't even notice that this was, like, not the kind of offer that comes along <laughs> every, every day. Right. But did she think, because this offer came along, that, like, her life was just going to be filled with these kind of opportunities? Yeah, just one one, <laughs> one ri rich French vintner over the next, like, just crawling <laughs> just... over each other to get to her. Like, yeah, right. Well, but, I mean... <clears throat> I think she's extra harsh on that one woman that went with that guy that's obviously, like, abusing her. No, that was the woman that was named Serena, I think. Yes. She's more harsh on her because it's like, that's a case where it's like she stuck with the guy and he wasn't actually a good person. But didn't Simone also have an affair with the abuser? Oh, did she? I didn't Because he that. was, okay, remember the bouquet of flowers that they destroyed? Yeah. It was later revealed that those flowers were from him. So remember oh. she was like, there are her man who thinks he can have everything he wants? Mm -hmm. It was later revealed that she was, like, having an affair with the abuser, well, all the while that she's encouraging her friend to leave him because he's, like, a, he's like is he, like, beating her? It's never, like, totally clear what it is. It's implied that he's abusing her in some way and that she's unhappy and that Simone is, like, trying to help her leave. On the other hand, though, Simone is apparently secretly hooking up with him and receiving large flower arrangements. But they're then destroying. But they're then, yeah, clawing the peonies apart with their hands or whatever. Peonies are expensive. That hurt to watch. It really did. It was great. There's a man that has bought more than one bouquet of flowers. <laughs> that was hard to watch. That was like if you bought like ten bouquets of flowers and like soldered them. That I don't think like I've ever bought that big like of a bouquet of flowers. When you win like some kind of a horse race and they bring out like the giant like wreath that covers half the horse, like that was like somebody's that drinking some milk. <laughs> yes. In the winter circle. Exactly. Maybe that's the Indy 500, but Yeah, still. I, don't, I don't know about the notes, but... Yeah, but anyway, that's just aside. Yeah, so, yeah, she's extra harsh on her friend because it's like, oh, you just kind of settled, but it's like, not everyone just throws away apparently great opportunities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything left to say about this show? I mean... Not really. I mean, I think we've covered most of it, um... I feel like we've obviously left something out, but I think we got a pretty good... Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I'm trying to think. Like, anyone else that works at the restaurant or any regulars or anything? 
It's a pretty, like, insular show for being not such a big city. I want to, I'll say that. Like, it's mostly just at the restaurant. And it's amazing how they they're in a giant city of millions of people, and it's like, I could go to a small town to experience this many people, like, on a daily basis, you know? Like, right? Like, they never really, they don't, it's not the kind of show where they show, like, cutaways of just, like, Even on the street, they're only interacting from other people, other people from the show, you know? Like, and, and, like, there's not even other people randomly on the street, it seems like. It is interesting in the sense that I feel like a lot of shows that are set in the city have the city be kind of a character in the show you know this what i mean not, yeah this is not like that at all no. this is really like other than the fact that we know that it's this city because of this is supposed this restaurant is supposed to be a restaurant of a certain prestige mm-hmm. this could be taking place almost anywhere oh, kind yeah. of kind of like how we talked about it could be almost any time it could almost be any place other than that we know it's supposed to be like a very good restaurant in a place where it's like known for very good restaurants you know what i mean yeah just like there's going back to our conversation about period pieces there should be a name for period pieces but for place like place pieces maybe yes yes totally because you you know what i mean about how some places the show is also like the place is a character in the show or the movie i know you haven't seen all of the wire yet you need to but baltimore is a character in the wire I, and see, I totally believe that. I'm really if I saw, that. like, on the character, like, on the, like, beginning part where they're playing Put the Devil Back in the Hole or whatever, where they were, like, Baltimore. If Baltimore was one of, the, like, the characters in, the, like, the list of players, it would make total sense to me. It's, like, it's a character. Baltimore as itself. <laughs> I do think one thing about having the, play, the city not be a character in the story it makes it more relatable in the sense that I think anyone who's ever worked in any sort of, like, a kitchen environment might feel very... They could relate very strongly to this character in this story. You know what I mean? Sure. Whereas I think a lot of times when the the place is a character in the show, part of it is the, is so that the audience can get excited about feeling like they're exploring and getting to know the city, just in the same way that you might explore and get to know a character in your Just story. as this is a period piece that's kind of timeless and doesn't really need to be in the period, this is a piece about a city, New York City, that it really doesn't even need to be in New York City. That's, just that's exactly be, what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. But this what I'm be, saying is that... Any, this could be Chicago. That allows you to maybe relate to it in a certain way, but you do lose the excitement of, like, getting to know the city. Like, I feel like there are certain shows, I mean, even shows that are maybe not, like, incredibly, like, high art or whatever, like you know, take, like, Sex in the City or, like, Gossip Girl or something. Those are shows that are set in New York City, and you're but constantly... the city is a character. The city's a character. Like, the characters constantly go to different locations in the city, and so those are, like, actual, you know, plot points involving, like, specific places. Additionally, you see cutaways of just, you know, certain, you know, buildings, architecture, whatever, just to, like, always remind you to see Even Seinfeld are. when they're like boo 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 No, exactly. When they like, show like the outside of a well, real Seinfeld building. is very much like you feel like you're learning about city life. Yeah. I don't really feel like I'm learning much about city life when no. I watch this show. I just feel like I feel like I'm learning more about like restaurant life that could be happening anywhere. Mm-hmm. Which is good and bad. Like I said, like it's it's good because it makes it more relatable, but it's kind of sad in that it seems like a lost opportunity to have the city be a character. Did you notice that Brad Pitt is a co Executive I had not noticed that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much other stuff he produces. I I have no idea. I mean, I feel like a lot of these like aging movie stars start to like produce more and more stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm getting bitten by it. Right. Well, 
can't wait for season three. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it won't be too long. They need to cancel stars before Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. Also, like, stars does not have a mention for stars. That's why I said cancel stars on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, Sorry, stars. Yeah, I, w- I was going to, like, reach out to somebody I, from stars to see if they, like, talk to me. You can cut that part out. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's okay. They listen this long. They should be flattered. We've talked about their shows. No, I honestly, I haven't given it a chance. I'm sure there's a lot of... Actually, there were a couple of kids' movies I wanted to, like... Well, they have the new movies. Jumanji with the Rock. I think they also had, like... Was it, like, The Princess and the Frog or something that Cavs wanted to watch again? Even though I thought that Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review 
everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, RSS, and now Spotify. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Also, if you want to call or text the show for any reason, the number is 317-674-3547. Until next time.